Warning, this episode opens with some dirty stuff, and who doesn't want that? But, you know, shield the children if you don't want to have to explain what a dildo... Um, if you don't want to have to explain stuff to them today. Okay, enjoy. So, we're in the kitchen, and actually, there isn't much to look at quite yet, but I can talk you through it. Okay. So, I'm performing down at a drag show called Circus, hosted by Woo Women Row, and they tend to like body stuff down there. So I'm, I am kind of tailoring my numbers a little bit more towards that. And interestingly, the show- What do you mean by body? Numbers? Body, B-A-W-D-Y. Oh. Yeah, some queens serve body, I serve body. <laughs> so, That's my friend Paul Ziller telling me about a special project he's working on. One of the queens from the online drag competition, Dragula, which is a filth um, competition. So all the queens are like, blood's coming out of their mouth, or they're like lactating and drinking it. God knows, whatever you can think of. That's not quite what I do in my performance, but I thought, okay, I'm gonna take a step towards that. This is the first time I'm really hearing about this part of Paul's life. And with this giant refrigerator box, that's made out of, it's a you know, cardboard refrigerator box, I am going to create a bathroom stall with a glory hole, and I'm going to have three men walk up onto the stage like they're going to the bathroom and they're going to stick a variety of things through the glory hole and I'm going to lip sync and interact with these quote-unquote things that are getting stuck through the glory hole including a cob of corn including a cob of corn including a cucumber obviously including an American flag all the things you bring to the bathroom with you including silly string including maybe a churro if I have the energy to go buy one and also a red dildo which is the most literal thing of all and God knows whatever else I'm going to think of and so I'm going to be taking black paint and making this totally pure refrigerator box look like a dirty nasty old you know bathroom wall like some bar that's been open for 50 years so and there's going to be so it was at least a year after I first met Paul that I found out he also goes by another name. Hi, I'm Dusty Porn. I'm a San Francisco um, drag performer. I consider myself a drag performing artist, a bit more than a drag queen. And that distinction feels important because when Dusty refers to herself as a drag queen... It feels a little bit limiting to me somehow. And like I'm only that persona somehow, but drag performing artist allows, I don't know, just a little bit more permission to let that character or that persona be just really anyone or anywhere I want to take it. So Paul's also an associate marriage and family therapist in San Francisco. And as a cisgender, Caucasian, neatly bearded, gentle gay man, he works with clients from all kinds of backgrounds. And none of them know about Dusty which made his choice to show up in this episode as both Dusty and Paul kind of tricky. Before the interview began, Paul was trying to think it through out loud. Then it wouldn't even be an issue, but I have lots of straight clients. I have lots of, yeah, I'm not yet called to being a queer therapist if I'm ever going to be. That's just like, you know, a fifth of my practice. Ultimately, he decided it was okay to use his name. And lots of therapists go through a similar decision-making process when faced with how we present in public. And having certain kinds of boundaries around our personal lives is a big part of this profession. And most of us have our personal social media on lockdown. We try to avoid running into clients in bars. 
And we're often trained to feel like it's kind of scandalous for our clients to know much about us. Paul and I have had to think hard about these choices because we're the performer types. We like expressing ourselves in a visible space. We like having an audience. Even if, in Paul's case, it's with a corn cob being shoved through a glory hole, or in my case, occasionally revealing my deepest insecurities on this podcast, worrying too much that a client's going to find out can be really limiting, which lacks no irony in a profession that's all about helping people open up and get real. But really, performing is a normal part of all of our lives, on stage and off. So then what does it mean to be authentic? What's a true self? I'm hoping an opera singing drag performing therapist, some strangers in a bar, and a dead psychoanalyst can help me figure it out. I'm Lily Sloan, and this is A Therapist Walks Into a Bar. family where it was okay for me to be myself so I, I didn't have to defend it in the way a lot of people have had to so I didn't I just kind of lucky in that way like creatively I could just be kind of a weirdo artist type and not have much of a filter on my language you know so I wrangled some people in my neighborhood bar into talking to me about what it means to be yourself and it wasn't all that surprising that it's hard to talk about how we became who we are especially when there's still so much we don't understand about the nature-nurture debate. I was born in Iran, yeah, but I've been, uh, I've been in this country since 1963, long time. If I was in Iran, I'd probably be a little bit different. Where we came from and who we came from and where we've gone since, it matters. Because Dusty became such an important part of Paul's life, I wondered how, why? especially when these more classically feminine expressions at best aren't encouraged and at worst are often shamed out of kids who've been assigned male. The shoes is where I started. When I was, God knows, six or seven, I would hide in the basement and put on my grandma's shoes and walk around. So, I mean, this was going on a long time ago. And there was, a, I mean, walking around in the basement, that's a little bit of a metaphor for shame, right? Like there was some hiding there. So... I was never, like, chastised in any mean way, but I think it was probably a little bit of a running joke that I was going down and doing that. So that was just in me. So even though this was in Paul, he grew up and went about his life as a man. But, you know, clothing isn't everything. Paul was also an opera and musical theater singer, and in fact, he trained as a countertenor, which is higher in the vocal register than most male singers, and it's associated with a kind of femininity. Singing high like that was kind of one of the many steps towards being comfortable with an expression that was not traditionally masculine, that was not traditional to what you would expect from a male. But to put on a dress, to step into a persona, it was very, very easy in that the movement and the mannerisms that I wanted to bring forth just poured out of me and I didn't have to think much about it. It started out as sort of a Halloween thing. A friend had a RuPaul Drag Race viewing party and said, dress up. And I was dating a guy at the time who had a giant stack 
of porno magazines next to his bed. And I came up with this idea of being dusty porn for this drag party and making a dress out of the porno magazines. And so I said to him, like, you're not using those. Can I use those to make something? And this elaborate dress made of old porn magazines, it was the first time he really created his own handmade drag look, persona and all. So I I had this visual of creating this um, sort of tutu out of multi-layered kind of accordioned porn and then tying it all together and then having like a, a corset and decollete area made out of the magazines. And I did that. What was fabulous is I don't have sewing skills, so it was all duct tape, honey. It was all duct tape, and it was pink duct tape, which I still use. And I'm telling you, put pink duct tape on almost anything, and it looks great. Even before discovering Dusty, Paul spent a lot of his life in this tension that I think a lot of us feel. Do I fit in? Do I stand out? Can I... Seek validation for the ways that I'm different. Coming out as a gay man was one huge step uh, in stepping into essential self, and which also allowed me to realize, like, okay, any of the templates I thought I had to live by just probably aren't, many of those aren't going to line up for me. So here we go, jumping off a cliff. But many of the things in my life have felt like they've needed to be big risks because they've called me further and further away from maybe where I started. You know, so to come out as a gay man, learn the technique of a countertenor, again, to sing in the high vocal range. Like, I can tell you, performing for people outside of the drag context, you can see on people's faces, like, what the fuck is this? Like, is this guy a fag? Like, it scared the shit out of me to get up and sing like that because I could see people squirm. And in each space Paul navigated as he came more and more into contact with these parts of himself, This concern about being accepted was present. Drag, for instance, is not universally accepted among gay men. So after Dusty's first appearance... I posted the photos. I was a bit worried about who might see them. I was a little edgy with the boyfriend at the time. Like, is he freaking out about this? I mean, let me just say out loud, it's no secret that for many gay men... The idea of doing drag or the idea of dating someone who does drag is absolutely a deal breaker. And so put on a dress, perform as a drag performer, and it's a it's a big old red flag for a lot of people. And I was I felt that at the time. And yet what Paul felt in terms of fear was overshadowed by what he got out of bringing this part of himself forward in such a bold way. It was some kind of aspect of play that I had wanted to tap into and that just kind of emerged out of me. And I didn't know that it would become what it has become. I mean, this happens a lot in life, right? Like I moved to San Francisco 25 years ago. Little did I know I'd still be here. Like I thought I'd probably be out here three to five years. Same kind of thing. It just sort of emerged out of me. I pursued it. I created this, this, the beginnings of this persona. Like I said, we're often caught in this tension between fitting in and finding belonging. Seeking this in communities that share similar values and interests is kind of what we do. But no group can fully encompass the complexities of our individual selves. As Dusty developed herself in the drag world, which was freeing in so many ways, yet again the unspoken rules of community, real or perceived, felt like another limitation. I don't want to create too much of an energy that I'm pushing against something, but that can often be my story. 
And maybe that actually helps and motivates me. And so maybe that's not all bad. Most artists are pushing against something to some degree, whether it be an inner critic, whether it be an interject from childhood of some thwarted dream they had that a parent didn't support, whether it be some cultural, you know, resistance, whatever. It feeds art. So I can't say that all that's bad, but there's been a little bit of that story because I often think, you know what? I should be living in New York. I often think I'm in the wrong city as far as my drag aesthetic or my drag brand, at least when I want to do some of the material that's more esoteric. This question of, do I belong here? It was something Dusty faced when she competed in the California Gold Pageant early this year. Ladies and gentlemen, for your consideration, contestant number three, Dusty Park. felt like a huge risk, I'll first say that, because it was all live sung. I wasn't able to do a sound or a mic check, which is, as a musical theater and cabaret performer, that's like kind of scary, especially since none of the other performers were singing live. Paul says live singing as opposed to lip syncing is one of those ways he pushes against the norm in San Francisco drag culture. Yeah, and so that's why there is a sadness for me sometimes that the, the live sung drag is not as supported in the city and there's even some shows that don't allow the singing. I, I, I don't say that with any shade, but it just means that um, I have to kind of find the places where that's welcome. But then it's like, really? You don't want, you don't want that? And then there's the performance itself, conceptualized by Paul from the songs to the entire artistic aesthetic, the choreography, the props. I decided for that number to create something that expressed beauty and that expressed innocence and expressed wonder. Well, in this town, what's valued most, most often is camp, ridiculosity, and filth. And I'm not saying any of those are bad. I think that I support traditional pageant drag. I support live sung, you know, more musical theater style drag. I support filth drag. I support camp. I mean, I support all of it. But no question, like, if you asked somebody around the nation what San Francisco drag about, they would probably tout those. And as a result, I often feel a little, like, unseen or un misunderstood. But Dusty went for it. I created a medley of four songs. It's Pure Imagination from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And then that, and that was live song. And then that phases into a portion of the aquarium from Saint-Saëns, The Carnival, which is a really beautiful um, ethereal piece of music. And then that phased into a portion of O Mio Babino Caro from Puccini's Gianni Schicchi. And that was live sung in my countertenor soprano voice. 
And then the final piece was When You Wish Upon a Star from Pinocchio. They all connect to beauty, wonder, and a sense of magic. Puppet Master Rich created some of the magic effects, and I had my friends Katie Holt and Richard Sherwin like flap the giant kind of gold gossamer wings as I sang the aria. Really, what I say I love to do is to create mini operas that resonate in people, and my goal is to provide people with catharsis, or to provide people with an experience of their own inner child, or some aspect of play within themselves, or joy. like everything kind of lined up because I was looking out in the audience as I was performing and you have those moments where you're both in the moment and you're really expressing and telling a story and then you also have some moments where you might pop out of your experience or out of your body and think I wonder what kind of experience the audience is having what was really lovely is I didn't have to do that nearly as much as usual like the audience was giving a lot of response it was a very vibrant, loving audience, and so I could just really be in the moment and feel like we were all riding a wave together. understand you, that's normal. I mean, people talk about doing things just for themselves, but it's rarely that simple. We come into this world needing our caregivers to mirror us, reflect back what they're seeing with love and acceptance, in order to grow up and be people in the world. So there goes Dusty, taking all these risks, singing four challenging pieces, unsure if her style will even land with this crowd but trying to be present and really feeling it. And... She wins. My narrative changed with winning that crown. It really has changed because now I can feel like, look, you know what, I had a moment where I got valued externally and so now it can really be about connecting to my own inner value. It really can be, because sometimes you need a little hit from outside, but I don't want that to be what it's all about. I want to pause the show for a moment because there's a lot going on in this episode that has to do with gender expression, which is one aspect of self. And questioning these constructs is important, especially because they've kept lots of people marginalized. So for help reflecting on your relationship to gender, 
I say check out The Gender Knot. It's a show that's recently been listed in Time Magazine's top 50 podcasts. And the co-hosts Nastar and Tavakoli Far and Jonathan Freeman unpack big questions like what are men's groups? Is gender relevant? Or can clothing shape gender identity? Go subscribe to The Gender Knot wherever you get your podcasts or visit thegenderknot.com. Okay, back to the show. It struck me how discovering drag and discovering dusty porn within Paul didn't just resolve this question of belonging. Right, exactly. And that reminds me again of the fight within self sometimes. The fight of like, oh my God, this sucks. Or the fight of like, oh my God, I shouldn't sing live because I'm going to crack. Or the fight of like, I should cover up my chest hair because... You know, people aren't going to get that. Like, the rest of me looks like a female. Like, just all of that. And because I'm a therapist, like, I tend to overprocess things. <laughs> God love us. Uh-huh. And so, therefore, like, this, it, there is a struggle there sometimes. That interaction between self and other is a huge part of what shapes who we are. It's where we learn what parts we can bring forward and which parts are safer left out. Sometimes certain corners in our lives just don't provide the right audience. I struggle with that all the time. Who are the people that are really going to get this part of me? Who can I share this with? Expressing myself into the void, it's terrifying. Maybe I'll go into my own process cave for a bit while working on something creative, and that's really gratifying in its own way, but when I come out, I want to share it. In some ways, it's hard to feel like the experience was even real until I have other people to bounce it off of. Not everyone feels this way. Some people create for other reasons and get satisfaction from other places. But for me, a big part of self-expression is to express to someone and to have them respond. One of the women I spoke to at the bar is a dancer. And while she doesn't feel like she's good at talking about her experiences in the world, she really wanted to create a piece that could convey something about working in Turkish restaurants and getting to know the people she'd become so close to who'd immigrated to the United States. Because really, they'd had a huge impact on her life. I recorded some audio of each of my coworkers, uh, having them speak in Turkish, like just telling why they moved to San Francisco, what their story was. And I had each of them send me a song that made them nostalgic for home or reminded them of home. And I came up with descriptive words for each person, and we made dance moves on, based on those words. Communication in whatever form is always limited. Every expression, every conversation, dance piece, article, podcast episode, song, painting, it dances around some big complicated ideas and feelings that we're trying to synthesize. And I'd argue that nothing can fully encompass every aspect of experience. But hopefully, an expression can contain something that's true in the moment. You never know with art, it might not come across the way you're imagining it, but... That was one thing that I did, and it felt so good to do. Like I really enjoyed being able to think about personality traits and how that comes across in dance, like how you can, you can do a dance move that looks really angry, and you can also do a dance move that looks really timid, and like you can express physically with textures and timing so many things. It, that was probably the best way I could have communicated to people, like, the fullness of my experience. 
Even though this piece was about other people, creating it and expressing her experience with others felt good in part because it was deeply tied to what made her her. It can be hard to put your finger on what it's like when everything lines up and you just feel like you. Paul experienced it on stage in his pageant when he was connecting both to himself and to the audience. And another woman I spoke to at the bar had her own musical way of describing what it's like when she's being herself. Well, you know how like music can sound flat or it could sound right, you know? And the same thing kind of happens in my core. And I'm assuming it's probably the same way for a lot of people. Like when you're being honest, like actually honest, it feels right. It might be scary, but it feels right. There's something rich about it. I remember singing in choir when I was younger and how powerful it felt when all the harmonies came together. Singing my note, I was enveloped in dozens of other voices that made something so beautiful that I couldn't have done on my own. And I'd tear up almost every time. It kind of reminds me of having that expression of myself resonate with people around me. Paul, Dusty, and I are at times literally giving a performance, but we're all performing every day as we bring ourselves out into the world and we interact with others. And one expression or another serves to bring certain aspects to the forefront, leaving other parts of ourselves in the darkened wings, waiting for their cue. When people say, just be yourself, what does that mean to you? Lately, I've been like, wait, what, what is that supposed to mean? Like, what do you mean? Just be myself. I've been put into a lot of situations in the last year or so that I have never been in before, and I didn't know how to navigate those. So I'm like figuring out like, oh, who am I in this situation? Like, what kind of person am I, am I going to be? In 1960, British psychoanalyst Donald Winnicott introduced the concepts of true self and false self. Winnicott believed the false self was the result of potentials of true self getting squashed. And I think the idea of potentials is really important here. Because I wonder, if we somehow existed in a vacuum with no outside societal influences, what would or could we become? It reminds me, when I've talked to actors about just roles in general, even when I was talking to friends back when I was maybe struggling to find uh, expressions within some characters, they were like, don't, don't think that you can't be closer to who you are when you perform this role. Dusty's done just that for Paul, given him an outlet for playing with and expressing parts that aren't all that appropriate to express all the time without having to reject or abandon them. I've noticed very much that my need for attention outside of my drag persona and world is far less now. I feel like it's given me a place to put some things that I wasn't perhaps entirely comfortable with. Narcissistic parts, parts that want to be more sassy or want to be more bitchy or want to be more judgy. So I'm able to experience that in Dusty a lot. And in, in experiencing it through Dusty, I'm also then able to reintegrate it in more soft ways or ways that feel more appropriate or more aligned with my non-drag persona, although again, I'm in drag 24-7 because my male drag is drag too. We're always existing in dialogue with the outside and with our various inner selves. So the question then becomes, how squashed are your possibilities of expression? How constricted are you in your life? 
The true self may exist, but digging in our heels and saying, this is just who I am, is actually working against true self, which is much less static. True self absolutely includes playing dress up, putting on masks, trying them out, in order to explore the further reaches of our inner worlds, attempting to access different voices we don't entirely know how to use. So while I get this man's sentiment that being yourself means... means don't pretend, don't try to be somebody else. Thinking of Paul transforming into Dusty or the dancer embodying characters from her life, I actually think we can benefit from trying to be someone else. But for a different reason and with a different intention. From a place of play and experimentation as a means to expand our repertoires, rather than out of insecurity and self-rejection. In a sense, most of the way we are was acting at some point anyway. You know what RuPaul said about we're all born naked and the rest is drag. As soon as you do drag performance, or if you do like pretty intense Halloween type stuff, when you experience these other parts of yourself come forth through play and through dress and through drag, through dress up, you realize just how much of every step you take throughout the day is really much more adaptive than you have any idea is. Everything about the way I move, everything about the way I step, everything about the way I lift my arm and my hands, it's fascinating now. I'm, I mean, I'm not saying this to be like, I'm aware of everything, but just this piece of like, it opens up all these portals of awareness that this stuff is not just, I'm me, I'm one thing, I'm this person, I'm Paul, you know, it... It opens up all these portals of understanding about yourself, and all of a sudden that all does feel very malleable. And that was a little scary at first, actually. And Paul says this realization comes into his work as a therapist. I understand just how malleable that all can be, and I understand how scary any kind of changes or opening up different parts can be for clients as a result of that. Well, to, all right, first I want to ask you, and you can totally sing, sing live. I'm just kidding. Yes, I'm, I'm that kidding. was actually what I was going to Are you ask kidding? You. <laughs> Dude, what are you working on? That would right be now? cool, but you don't have to. I'm totally fine with that. I'm like, oh God, I noticed like the ego. I'm like, I'm, do I need to check my ego? No. <laughs> check your girl, ego. Girl, check your ego. Well, that and it's very interesting because this in real time is bringing up what comes up in drag for me. This piece of like the shame around sharing talent or the shame around yeah like people actually want to hear me sing okay there's that moment where i don't believe that's okay for me to want that so just naming that i relate to that a million percent yeah so um and then there's a like give me the mic girl yeah, but yeah. all right so i'm going to turn on my full nun right now okay full nun i literally have to almost prep my system to step into that because it's not the voice I've been using. <clears throat> Climb every mountain, search high and low, follow every rainbow. There you go. <laughs> so I think I totally changed the lyrics, but uh, anyway. Even without the contoured makeup, without the wig, and the butt and breast padding, and certainly without the nun's habit. Sitting on the living room couch, Paul transformed into Dusty, transforming into Mother Abbas from the sound of music, right there in front of me. This person is in Paul all the time, but it's a special moment when he invites her to enter the room. 
And to know Dusty is to know so much more of Paul. Walks into a Bar is produced by me, Lily Sloan. My story editor is Emily Shaw. Music and sound design are also by me. Except, of course, when Dusty Porn sang for us. Thank you, Paul Ziller and Dusty, for sharing your story with me. Thank you to the strangers in the bar for being yourselves and talking to me, and to the Little Shamrock, one of San Francisco's oldest bars, for making me a delicious hot toddy on a rainy day. Visit a therapistwalksintoabar.com to sign up for the newsletter. It goes out once a month and includes some hot tips on what other cool stuff you should be listening to. This show would not be possible without my superstar patrons. And if you want to participate, visit patreon.com slash a therapist walks into a bar to set up your monthly contribution of any amount that works for you. The show is free, but becoming a patron gets you access to some sweet stuff like special songs written just for patrons, a portrait of you hand-drawn by me, and maybe even a special video chat where you can tell me your thoughts about the show and what's important to you. You don't want to miss out. So again, visit Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash a therapist walks into a bar. As always, thanks for listening. phone numbers like what is the song eight six oh three five one oh nine whatever that is yeah three oh nine yeah so that, that'll be on there somewhere so you knew that i feel like i got the number right you did good job you want to be in my number i would love to be in your i'd number. actually consider it.